Good morning, everyone. As we continue on in our series, The Church as Diaspora, we're going to be looking at the topic of rewinding and fast-forwarding into spiritual purity. How do we, as followers of Jesus Christ, move forward into spiritual purity, even as we at times move backwards and we rewind into spiritual impurity? I think this topic of spiritual purity um, during the coronavirus event has presented a real challenge for so many of us. When we talk about spiritual purity, we're talking about how do our beliefs and behaviors, how is it different? How is it set apart from the beliefs and behaviors of the world? And I think during the coronavirus event, uh, it's been a real challenge for us. It's been an artificial environment that we've all been put into. Uh, We're stressed. We're worried. We're anxious about our health our jobs, and others, and that uh, doesn't bring out the best in any of us most of the time. And we're in an artificial spiritual environment. Uh, Church videos and church uh, Zoom uh, gatherings are never the best vehicle to communicate spiritual growth and uh, to be used by God in that way. And so I think that for many of us, we're struggling right now, and we're rewinding into spiritual impurity as we desire to move forward into spiritual purity. Um, I've been having conversations uh, with many people in the church. Uh, One person just this week was about to fall into a massive temptation. And it was at that moment, right before that that happened, someone else from the church texted this person just to encourage them. And it gave them the strength to avoid that temptation. It was just a reminder to all of us that God is at work Uh, He sees everything that is going on, and he will send help. Uh, This is what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, that God will not uh, put us in a situation where the temptation is greater than us, but will always provide the window of escape. Uh, There was another situation I had uh, twice this week. I got texted anonymously. Uh, There was a link in two different texts on two different days, and it was saying to click this link, and it will lead you to just what I'm sure was a world of impurity. I didn't go there. I immediately blocked the numbers. But it was also a reminder to me that not only is God at work in the world, but Satan is at work through the world to bring impurity into your lives. Um, There was another person that got counseled this week by many people, and they were just um, struggling with shame and guilt from all the impurity that they had been a part of um, these past couple months. And there were several people from the church that just kind of encouraged this person and said, you know, um, there's personal issues that you need to deal with between you and the Lord, but there's also the issue of the environment that you're in. You're around the wrong people. You're around the wrong environment, and you got to change that environment. That's probably 50% of the reason why you're struggling. And so um, it's just a reminder to us, it's not just us, but also the situation which we find ourselves in that can uh, uh, promote weakness in our own lives, spiritual impurity. And uh, I was also talking to another person in the church this week, and they had talked about this huge plan to get away before the coronavirus event. And the, the trip wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but they said that when that trip got, trip got canceled because of the coronavirus event, uh, they had to stay at home. And so they used a lot of that time to pray. And what... Um, they realized is that while the trip itself, had it gone through, wasn't bad, they realized that as they had redeemed the time at home and they had prayed, they realized, you know, if they had gone on that trip, it might have led to future indulgences that would have crossed the line into spiritual impurity. And they also realized that in them not going on that trip, uh, they were able to spend more time um, doing things devoted unto the Lord. And um, if they had gone on that trip, 
maybe uh, they would have not been able to spend time with the Lord or use some of the resources that they're now using to help God's people. And finally, they realized if they had gone on that trip, maybe um, God was saving them from not going there uh, and protecting them from something that might have happened. And so I said to them, you know, that is the voice of wisdom. That is the voice of experience in you saying that. Because oftentimes it's hard to see that when you're younger in the faith. But as you've grown older and you've gone through like hundreds of examples of these kinds of things happening in your life, you realize, you know, there's other possibilities of what the Lord might be doing here to preserve my purity, to help me to move forward. And so um, many people, I think, in our church were, were rewinding into spiritual impurity in all its di- different forms. And we're wanting to move forward into spiritual purity. And so that's really what this message is about. And I want to take a look at three different things during this time. Number one, I want to look at the context of purity of the churches that the Apostle Peter wrote to. And I think as we look at the context of these churches, um, we'll be able to relate to them. What they went through are the same kinds of things that we're going through in terms of their, their context. Number two, we're going to look at the Apostle Peter's reminder that the gospel is the foundation um, for us as we rewind into impurity, that the gospel is the foundation for us to move forward into spiritual purity. And I think we'll be reminded of God's work in us. And thirdly, um, I want to look at one case study, one example of a conversation that I had this week um, and how it was um, gospel-centered, it was biblically-based and movement-oriented in how we tried to disciple this particular uh, person as they were struggling, as they were rewinding into spiritual impurity and helping them to move forward into spiritual purity. And as we go through this example, I think it'll be really helpful because um, a lot of us will find ourselves in that example, or at least if we're not struggling with these um, issues of impurity uh, exactly, uh, it will equip us to help others as we minister to them in the future. And so let's take a moment now and let's look at the uh, some verses from the Apostle Peter, uh, four verses that are four sections of verses that he talks about to encourage us in the direction of purity and holiness. First Peter chapter one, verse 14 through 16. Peter says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4. For the, time that, the, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. So what I want to do right now is I want to um, look at how the Apostle Peter uh, was trying to encourage his original audience. And we're going to look at... Um, how he wrote to the Gentile pagans, the Jewish legalists. We're going to look at how um, they were suffering and under satanic attack during this time. The original audience that Peter wrote, First Peter 2, uh, was mostly Gentile pagans. They'd come, uh, they'd come from a Gentile pagan background, but now they were Christians. Some of them had come from a Jewish legalistic background, and now they were Christians. And they were uh, made up all these churches of the dispersion in Asia Minor. And in their Jewish pagan background, 
Peter described their background as what he said, quote, a flood of debauchery. Uh, for those who had come from a, a Jewish legalistic background, he described it as, quote, a f- the futile ways of your fo- forefathers. As an illustration of that, think of um, the narrative that was given to us in ESPN's The Last Dance 10-part documentary that chronicled recently um, the, championship, the six championship titles of the Chicago Bulls of the 1990s. Uh, think of the most um, lawless figure that was portrayed on the Chicago Bulls team That would have been representative of the Gentile background that uh, many of the believers that Peter wrote to came from. Think about how um, the sternest, most contract-oriented, almost legalistic um, front office was portrayed. Some of the executives in the front office were portrayed. And you'll start to get the feel of the Jewish legalistic background uh, that Peter wrote to in the first century as um, a general um, analogy. Secondly, Uh, Peter wrote to Christians who were suffering. These Christians were suffering from persecution from the Roman government. They were suffering from cruelty in the workplace, mixed spiritual marriages. Um, They uh, were having unbelievers challenge their faith. And so they were suffering. They were under a lot of anxiety and pressure and fear during this time. Thirdly, they were under satanic attack. Peter says that Satan was um, seeking to devour them. He was roaring like a lion, seeking to devour them. Um, and in Second Peter, he also said that there were false teachers that were seeking to pull people back from the sensual passions of the flesh that they had just barely escaped from. And so there was a lot of satanic attack there. And so as Peter wrote to this audience that had come from a Gentile pagan background, that had come from a Jewish legalistic background, that were suffering and under satanic attack, um, uh, just as a further illustration, about 20, 25 years later, the Apostle John wrote to the seven churches of the book of Revelation. And uh, he wrote into the same region, actually. And they were still uh, struggling with the same issues. The church at Ephesus, Pergamum, and Thyatira uh, were struggling with the background of Gentile paganism that they had come from. Uh, The Apostle John says that they had the teachings of the Nicolaitans, Balaam, and Jezebel among them, and to turn from that. Uh, the churches at Smyrna, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea in the churches of Revelation chapter 2 and 3 were struggling with Jewish legalism amidst their myths. Uh, the Apostle John said that there was accusations from false Jewish brethren that there was dead works among them. Uh, they were suffering, these churches. The church at Pergamum had at least one Christian martyr among them. Uh, there was satanic attack among them. Again, the church at Pergamum, uh, the Apostle John described it as a place where Satan's throne was. And so both in time of, of, of the Apostle Peter and the Apostle John, 20, 25 years later, uh, they were going through enormous struggles and challenges uh, in the area of purity. And so Peter reminds them in 1 Peter four times in the passages that we heard from, to strive for spiritual uh, purity amidst your spiritual impurity. And he actually says the same thing three times in 2 Peter. And so what I want to do right now is I want to look at um, three encouragements that the Apostle Peter gives in terms of their purity. The purity uh, to look at your past salvation, the purity to look at your present sanctification, and the purity that's based on your future uh, expectation of Christ's return. Peter encourages the believers. He says that you should um, try and live spiritually pure lives because you were saved in the past. He says that you were ransomed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You were born again into a living hope. 
um, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, through his power, you are guarded through God's power to guard your faith. He says that um, you have a new divine nature that is escaped the corruption of the world and been cleansed through your, from your past sins. And so he reminds them of their past salvation. He reminds them of their present sanctification. He says, you are sojourners, you are exiles in this world, um, and that the genuineness of your faith is being tested through various trials and fiery trials. But this is going to be a refining process, Peter said to them, and it will result for those of you that endure, that those of you that persevere, it will result in praise and glory and honor for those of you um, that persevere and endure at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so he also reminds them of the purity uh, that they should have because of the future expectation of the return of Jesus Christ. He says in First Peter, the end of all things is near, and that, that when that happens, judgment will begin with the house of God, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And when he does come, the heavens and the elements and the earth will pass away and be burned up and dissolved. And so in light of all of that, uh, we should live spiritually pure lives. The Apostle Peter wrote to an audience in 1 Peter, and he saw that the early Christians were struggling in the area of purity. And as he did, he said, don't conform to the passions of your former ignorance. Um, Don't be involved in evil of malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. He warned them that their souls were to stay away from the passions of the flesh. He said, do not live like the Gentiles do uh, in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. And so Peter reminds them of their Uh, He reminds us of their context, and he reminds them and us of what was happening there um, and why they're to listen to these uh, truths. They're to listen to these principles. They're to listen to these commands of God because of their salvation and their sanctification and um, the future return of Christ. What I want to do right now is I want to kind of take the teachings that we've just heard in 1 Peter, and I want to apply it in one case study. Uh, I got a call this week from a Christian brother in our church, and um, I just said, how you doing? Actually, I called them. I said, how you doing? And they started confessing all these things of um, all the ways they've been rewinding into spiritual impurity in the past couple months, but that they wanted to move forward into spiritual purity. And so um, I want to give you uh, just one example of some of the counsel I give this this brother um, that I felt was gospel-centered, it was biblically-based, it was movement-oriented um, amidst their struggle. And again, uh, my hope is that you find yourself somewhere in this if you're struggling, going backwards, um, rewinding into spiritual purity. Uh, but even if you're not, uh, maybe this will equip you to help others um, that the Lord will bring across your path uh, during this time of dispersion and diaspora. So um, what I want to do is I want to share with you um, kind of just six things that um, I tried to share with this brother that were, um, I think, hopefully helpful and encouraging to them as um, that were gospel-centered, biblically-based, and movement-oriented as they grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And these six things are uh, in the areas of grace and love, building up and serving them, warning them, calling them to action, um, following up, and prayer. And so I just want to kind of go through the content of our conversation. I didn't have all these notes before the conversation 
but um, but it just kind of came out of me. And a lot of this, we're going to weave in the teachings of the Apostle Peter and First Peter as well. So after this uh, brother had shared everything that had been going on, and kind of confessed these things to the Lord and to me, and I, I just got the sense that they were really defeated spiritually. And so um, this is uh, how I approached it. Number one, I, I wanted to start with grace and love and extending it to this brother. And I'm not going to tell you exactly what the issue was. Uh, it could have been this issue that maybe it's the same issue you're struggling with. It could have been a number of other issues. I think it's still, much of this is still the same and it applies, not just to one issue. So I want to start with grace and love. Uh, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and chapter 2, he wanted grace to be multiplied um, in, in the churches that he was writing to. And he wanted them to love one another and reminding them that love covers over a multitude of sins. And so I just said, starting off um, to this brother, I want you to know that Jesus can relate to your temptation. He didn't give in to temptation. But Hebrews chapter 4, it says that Jesus was tempted in every way, including in the way that you're being tempted in. And yet he was without sin, but he can relate to your temptation, um, whether that's pride or greed or foolishness or hatred or idleness or lust or whatever it is. Uh, Jesus can relate to the temptation of that while he was here on earth. And so um, know that your God um, understands what you're going through. And I also said to them, not only does God understand, but I also can relate. I'm, I'm a human being. I've been tempted in all ways as well. And so I'm not above you in, in the respect uh, that I can't relate to your temptation at some level. And I also said to them, I want you to know that I love you. And uh, everything I say in this conversation is, is within the context of love, that I'm, I want the best for you, I love you, um, and I think the Lord loves you as well. And so you, you should remember that. Number two, I was also thinking about how can I build up and serve this brother? First Peter chapter 2 and chapter 4, um, it talks about how we are to offer spiritual sacrifices unto the Lord through Christ, and that, that God is really pleased with that. And as we do, it builds up the house of God. And uh, Peter also says in uh, chapter 4 that um, the sufferings that we are going through um, are the same sufferings that other brethren, other brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world have, are also suffering at this point. So we're not alone. And so I said to this brother, you're not alone in this struggle. Uh, there are, in fact, I, I told him that I've talked to many people in our church who have been struggling in this area and other areas of spiritual impurity, wanting to go forward into purity, moving backwards and rewinding into spiritual impurity. And I said, you're not alone. Sometimes I think it's very important for people to hear because we think we're alone. We think we're like the one weak link in all of this and everyone else is doing great because they're all smiling in their social media posts or you know, you call someone, how you doing? I'm fine. How you doing? I'm fine. Good. Okay. Let's talk about something else. And, you know, I think it's very important for us to realize that oftentimes underneath the surface, a lot of us are not doing fine. A lot of us are struggling. A lot of us are suffering. A lot of us are, there's dark areas, hidden areas of impurity where we're going backwards. And maybe we don't want people to know about that. Lord knows. Um, and, but I wanted the, uh, the brothers to know that they're not alone in this. And I also told them that I had talked to two different people who were struggling in the exact same area as they were struggling with just uh, recently, the past few weeks. And they had actually, these other two brothers had taken steps to rectify uh, the problem in a way that uh, I was going to encourage this brother to do. So not only were they not alone in what they're uh, struggling with, but 
there was others who were going through the same thing that had moved forward. And I think that that um, strengthened them when they heard that. And finally, to build up and serve them, I just reminded them, look, it's very difficult right now. Uh, we're not together. It's not the best environment for spiritual growth, just going through videos or Zoom. Um, and so just recognize that it's going to be tough during this time. But it doesn't mean that we have to uh, live in defeat. Number three, I also felt it was important to warn this uh, brother. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, conduct yourselves with fear in your time of exile. When he's talking about fear, he's talking about the fear of God, uh, the holy fear of God that moves us to holiness. And so I felt it was important to warn uh, this brother, um, to admonish them. You know, and I think it's, when you do that, um, you have to be able to discern, is, is this a one-time slip-up? Is this a very rare movement backwards into impurity? Or is this a long-term issue? Is this something that's been going on for year after year where there's massive moves backwards for entire seasons of a person's life? And so I think you kind of have to weigh both of those in, in terms of um, how strongly you warn a person. And uh, for this particular situation, it wasn't a, uh, a one-time thing or short-term thing. Uh, it was really a long-term situation that had been going on for several years. And so that kind of um, informed my counsel from that point forward. And I said to them, you know, you have to realize something. If you make God wait, if you make God wait for your spiritual purity when he has given you all the spiritual resources you need to defeat this, um, the power of the Holy Spirit, the, um, the truth of God's word, uh, the resurrected life of Jesus Christ, and um, God is your heavenly Father looking out for you, the resources of the church that help carry your sinful burdens. If he's given you all of that, um, there's really no excuse for year after year for you to keep coming back to him um, and confessing and, and praying and, and kind of still being in the same place. Um, and you have to realize something. If you make God wait, he'll make you wait. And I said to this brother, do you want to get married? Do you want to have kids? And they said, absolutely. And I said, well, um, you know, you have to realize something. Um, this is something you want. And those things can be very good things. Those are good things to, to want and to have in life. But sometimes if you make God wait for your own personal purity, he'll look at you and say, you know, um, you're making me wait. I'm going to make you wait for, for that. Because I can't, as God, entrust into your hands the right spouse, the right person. Because you're not the person that, um, that I can entrust uh, one of my children to. And if you don't think God is like that, if you think just, you know, God is, um, would not come to that place, then um, you should read the Old Testament. You find God doing that, um, you know, when Samuel writes, Second Samuel chapter 22, when David writes in the Psalms, I believe it's Psalm 18, uh, very similar passages where um, Samuel and David say that God will reveal himself um, in a blessed way to those who have integrity. But to those who are crooked, God appears to be torturous. And what we are being reminded there in the Old Testament that is that there is a part of God that will reflect back to us who we are and, is, and reflect back to us in its own holy way. Um, how we treat God. And so if you make God wait, there are times when God will just say, well, fine, I'll make you wait. And it's really hard to outweight God. God has all the time in the world and we don't. And so um, I, I, I just warn them, don't put yourself in that position because um, if you get old and you don't get what you want in life, but you can look back and you can say, you know, I did what I could 
um, and it just never happened. You can live with that if you're devoting yourself unto the Lord. But what is a killing, killing regret is when you get old, you don't get what you want, especially in this area, and you look back and you say, you know what? Honestly, that was my own issue. There was so much of that where I gave God too many reasons for him not to bless me. And um, the loss of time brings an increasing amount of regret in your life. And so you got to be very aware of that. And uh, secondly, um, I gave them another warning. And I said, you know, um, I hate to say this to you, but it's really duplicitous of you. It's really um, disingenuous of you to keep struggling with this year after year, keep confessing these things, keep committing yourself to the Lord, saying, I'm going to change, keep involving the church, saying, help me to change in this area. But you haven't taken the first step to put a blocker on all of your electronic devices. And see, really, if you were serious about this, it would start with that. And so if you're not going to do that, but keep coming back to the Lord, it's almost like what James, uh, the Apostle James talked about, where he said, there are people in this world who are double-minded men, who are unstable men. Um, and, and you're kind of being tossed back and forth in your own spiritual purity, uh, journey of purity and impurity. And so uh, you have to recognize that. And, you know, Apostle James also said in James chapter 1, we're all responsible for our own sin. God's not the one that tempts us. It is us who give in to the enticements of our own flesh. And so you have to take responsibility for that. Um, fourth, I called them to action. The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, prepare your minds for action and being sober-minded. Peter envisioned an action-oriented faith that was wise, that was self-controlled. And so I said to this brother, I said, you know what you need to do is don't stay in defeat. Pick yourself up off the ground and we need you to re-engage. We need you to move forward. You know, Paul in Philippians 3, uh, he had all these regrets and he said, I haven't taken hold of who I'm supposed to be in Jesus Christ, but I leave those things behind. I leave behind those past failings and I move forward. I press forward to win, uh, to, to the goal, to win the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I, I said, you need to do the same. You need to not stay in your spiritual defeat. You need to move forward. You know, sometimes um, I think we forget that one of the big spiritual threats to our purity is not just false teaching in the Bible. Uh, you know, there's plenty of warnings of false teaching in the Bible. We need to stay away from it. It's detrimental, uh, deadly spiritual effects in our lives. We all get that. Peter talks about that, especially in Second Peter chapter 2. We understand that. But in addition to that, I think we often also forget that spiritual idleness, staying in a defeated place when the Lord doesn't want you in that place, can also be another form of, of spiritual threat to us as well. And so I said to this person, you know what, um, I want you to return back to, um, to the ministry that you were part of. And there's many ministries in our churches, in our church, um, and uh, people have come and gone in different ministries. I'm not talking about any one particular ministry, but I said, uh, I want you to return back to it because um, you're going to take that past failure and give it up to the Lord and it's going to become a victory. And I said to them, um, I'm going to be with you too. I'm going to help walk with you through this. And so I said, I want you to do a few things. I want you to call a certain person and re-engage in this area of ministry. And you're going to put this behind you. And secondly, 
uh, I want you to put a blocker on your phone. And I, I gave them a deadline. I said, can we talk on Friday, which was this past Friday? And they said, absolutely. We'll see how it goes, um, which was great. And so I called them to action. Number five, um, I followed up because we had said we're going to reconnect on Friday. And um, I actually called them on Friday night at 9 p.m. Now, I started the conversation by saying, you know, I'm not saying that my thing is to call people up at 9 p.m. on Friday night and uh, just check up on them and uh, see if they followed through or call them to repentance. That's not what I'm, you know, that's not a normal pattern of mine as a pastor, but I just want to call and, and, and follow up and see how it went. And uh, they had not quite followed through on those things yet. And so I just said, you know, again, I believe in you. The Lord believes in you. And you know what? You have a real opportunity here to take your testimony of defeat and turn it into a victory for the Lord. And not only that, I think as you do that, uh, God will use your story to encourage others who are in spiritual defeat. And, um, and, and it will be turned into a spiritual victory. And so um, I encourage them in that way. And I said, you know, God is for you, but also Satan wants you. And I want you in that former camp, not the latter camp there. And so um, I just encourage them to say, hey, how about this? How about by Sunday? our Sunday service at 10 a.m., you know, a couple more days. Why don't you put a blocker on your electronic devices so you don't struggle in that same area of impurity? Um, Kind of set that as a goal and maybe call that other person by that time to kind of follow through and see how you can re-engage. And I said, you know, it's not a legalistic thing. I'm not going to keep hounding you and keep asking you about this, but um, I think it's good to have another brother in Christ to encourage you in this area. Um, And sixth and finally, um, I prayed for this brother. And uh, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, um, may grace be multiplied in you. And he prayed for peace and mercy upon uh, the Christians of the diaspora. And I just prayed for that, for this brother. And I said, um, Lord, would you strengthen and renew this brother uh, in Christ, the living Christ who lives in him. May the power of the Holy Spirit powerfully work through him. May the truth of God's word, renew his mind. Uh, May the church come around him to um, help bear his sinful burden and strengthen him and edify him through that. May your grace be upon him. I I prayed for the Lord's mercy in his life and said, Lord, would you forgive him and cleanse him as he turns this over to you? Um, The apostle Peter also said in 1 Peter chapter 5, he talked about how, again, Satan is an adversary um, and he prowls around like a lion seeking someone to devour. And I just reminded this brother, I said, um, you know, Satan is is out to get you. And I I prayed, Lord, would you um, work in his life a sanctifying work so that if he is tempted again, that you would kind of take the veil off his eyes to what is really happening through this impurity that's coming through his electronic devices. Uh, Would you help him to see the demonic influence behind it? So that he may, as if he falls into temptation again, he may shriek back in holy horror to see the satanic forces behind what is happening. And that would be a motivator for him to move away from it. And so um, that's where we're at right now. And I continue to pray for this brother. But hopefully that's encouraging to you if you find yourself in that example. Or maybe the Lord is wanting to, uh, for you to hear this during this time so that you can be equipped in some way to help others in the body of Christ who are struggling in this area. Many of us, you're not alone. 
have rewinded back into spiritual impurity, when we want to move forward into spiritual purity. Uh, many of us have, uh, are living in victory as we move forward in spiritual purity. Wherever you're at in all that, know that um, you are not alone. The, the churches of the first century that Peter wrote to were both experiencing victory in this area and struggling and in spiritual defeat in this area. And, he, and God, the Holy Spirit, moved through Peter to remind us of those things and, as well as them. And so we should take great confidence in knowing that um, our struggle is a common struggle to believers both then as well as now and that you are not alone in this struggle. You're not even alone in this struggle in our own church. Um, we are to be reminded that we are saved in Christ. We are sanctified in Christ and we are to wait for his return um, and we are to live every day as if it is the final day of our existence here on this world before he comes back. And how would that change things in terms of encouraging us to holiness and godliness? And we are to, uh, to move forward knowing that um, God will bring to us the counsel of the right people in our lives should we receive it. God is there to forgive us and to cleanse us. He is there to warn us. He is there to build us up. Um, to use the body of Christ to serve us, um, that he has grace and mercy for you during this time. And, um, but we need to act on these things. We need to move forward. We can't stay in our past spiritual defeats, and we can't stay in present idleness. We've got to move forward and strive for the, for, for, to win the goal for the prize, to win the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And we need to continually be in prayer and say, Lord, would you give me your grace, your mercy, your peace, your forgiveness? Um, help me to move forward into purity and not uh, live in the world of rewinding into spiritual impurity. And, um, and may I do this knowing that there is an evil one that seeks my downfall. And so let me move towards you and he will move away from me. And so um, take great encouragement, Christian. Take great encouragement, church, that um, this is a difficult time. It's an artificial spiritual, artificial life environment for all of us. It's made it um, especially challenging but persevere, endure, be patient with the Lord. And um, he understands when we fall, but let's come back to him and he will bless, he will strengthen you and you will have a greater testimony moving forward and you will have a greater, more refined spiritual walk as you go through these various fiery trials um, that you are enduring during this time. And so God bless you guys and uh, let's continue to walk with the Lord. Amen and amen.